Well, this morning I have a, well, I know I've uh, spoken on the Lord's Prayer, uh, but I, I'm just basically looking at the first part of it. But today uh, I've entitled the message, Who Are You? Who are you? All right. Now, one of the things that we have to realize that um, you have to get over the fact you're not perfect. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, but you see, we're flawed. We're, we're not perfect. And it means that sometimes we don't want, we don't like to pray because, well, you know, I'm not perfect. And some, sometimes we look at other people and say, well, they're perfect and I'm certainly not. No, no, no. Get, get, we have to get over that, get by that, never let that kind of enter into the formula whenever we're talking about um, our relationship with Jesus Christ and our prayers. So we're going to look at um, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. And it says, when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, How then will this flawed person um, that we are, how will this flawed person approach God? How will this flawed person with our difficulties, now I don't want to emphasize flawed too much, but just the idea that sometimes we think we're not perfect enough or we're not good enough or something along those lines that kind of holds us back from, from praying. Now, I like the the Phillips translation of these first verses, and it says, And when you pray, don't rattle off long prayers, like the pagans who think, now, they think God will be impressed, okay? God will be impressed if I say the Lord's Prayer ten times, okay? You know, the the Lord will be impressed if I say something, read a chapter, whatever. God will be, we're not trying to impress God, Okay? The length of prayer is not the issue. And the amount of words that you can cram into a, a period of time is not the, the concern. So don't rattle off long prayers like the pagan, pagans who think they will be heard because they use so many words. After all, God, who is your Father, knows your needs before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Heavenly Father, may your name be honored. Hmm. So whenever we start our prayers, we need to recognize that our prayer is about honoring God. Hmm. Now, often you think of it as, well, these are my needs, and so therefore I need to let God know what they are. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. He already knows what my needs are, so... 
uh, what is, he, what is the, the inference here? He already knows what our needs are, but yet he expects us to pray. But whenever we pray, we're to honor God. Well, the Message Bible has it this way. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. You see, the only place that we are, I think, that we can discover who we really are, someone asked the question, who are we, or who are you, the only place we can really discover who we are is in the presence of God. Because God is the one who created us, formed us, and, and has put all this together inside of us so that life experiences can bring out the, that which is already there. So life experiences are not about tripping us up, but are causing us to come to a place of dependency upon God. Paul wrote to the church at Rome, uh, this chapter 8, verse 15. Did I give that one to you, Terry? Okay. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So whenever we are talking about entering into the presence of God and God being honored, we are not slaves. He doesn't make you a slave so that you live in fear rather than the spirit, receive, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, the Greek for adoption of sonship refers to a full legal standing of an adopted male in the Roman culture. So a, an adopted child is the same status as a birth child. There is no distinguishing between them. So whenever Paul is telling the church at Rome, and he is letting them know that the Christians now have the ability to call upon God and that they are to refer to him as adopted sons, whereby we refer to God as Abba Father. Also, we want to notice that Jesus uses these same words in addressing God the Father as he instructs us to use. The same words that Jesus uses in addressing God the Father is the same words he gives to us to address God the Father. In Mark, 10, Mark 14, verse 36, Jesus is in the garden, okay, and he's praying. He says, Father, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but that what thou wilt. Abba, Father, okay, Abba, Father, it can be translated a couple ways. Abba, Father, 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 or <laughs> Father, my Father. <laughs> father, my Father. Hmm. See, whenever we are looking to enter into the presence of God and we're wanting to see this place of closeness with him, we are to look at it as Father, my Father, be on, bring honor to your name, and then our prayers. Because it isn't that God doesn't know what our need is, it's that God, as we are looking at this relationship that we have with him, we are wanting God to receive honor from what we are praying for. So that whether it's healing or strength or open doors or closed doors or whatever, we are looking for how that God is going to bring honor to his name. 
And how is God going to bring honor to his name through our prayers? And so we are putting this together. So Jesus, in instructing us, he uses the same term, the same relationship to God as he has put in a place for us. We are adopted. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away, all things become new. So whenever we're looking at these texts and we're looking at these scriptures, they are depicting for us a new status. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. Our name is written in God's book of life. That we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I am part of the body of Christ. Uh, I am the bride of Christ. He is the head. You see, all of these things, the, the Holy Spirit now abides within me, and I in him, and I in the, fa- in the Father, and the Father in me. So we have all of these things that indicate this relationship that we have with God. And this relationship that we have has been something that has been revealed throughout Scripture. I, I thought of Samuel. It says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Okay. He reveals himself through his word. Daniel, he, re- he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light dwells with him. So God knows all of these things. He knows the light and the dark, and he reveals these things through his word. John 17, Jesus prays with, for his disciples. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you have given me out of the world. Jesus, I, I have revealed, I've revealed you, Father, to these that you have given me. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. So here we have this, this whole oh, circle, this whole um, plan that God has of showing us, revealing to us this relationship that God has in place for us that is revealed through his word, this, the scriptures, and we find that this word, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son. So there is this revelation of glory. There is this revelation of understanding. There is this place of closeness that we find with God. Timothy, Paul writes, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Wow, here I am in this approaching God. Father, my Father, bring honor to your name. So here I am in the status that there is life, death is destroyed in me. I am alive in Christ. I have a new relationship to life, to God, to the world. I am a new creation because I've been forgiven. I am washed by the blood of the Lamb. My name is in God's book of life. So here we have all of this assurance and all of this closeness that God is trying to reveal to our minds and to our hearts. And he says, you know, you know are, who are you? <laughs> so he's wanting us to know. It's just like, I already know what you're going to pray. But when you pray, pray this way. So it isn't that God doesn't want us to pray. He wants us to see who we are in this whole, this whole part of life, 
this whole thing of coming to him uh, in believing and praying and asking. You see, do we really get it? You know, been doing this. I've been, I've been in my, I've been in church. But Robbie, I've, I've been in church longer than you have. <laughs> I was a little boy in church, way you know, just as young as you. You've been in church since you were born. So was I. <laughs> so uh, you were here all the time, and so have, I've been here a long time. And you know, always going over this, and always hearing these things, and always it's part of who we are. It's just part of it, but every time we read it, it kind of comes, it's like, are you really getting this, David? Do you really understand this? When you pray, Father, my Father, honor your name. I reverence your name. I want your kingdom. It's where I want to live. I want your will to be in me and in the world I live in. I want you, Lord, to provide my daily needs, and I want you to forgive me and make me forgive those that I don't want to forgive. (laughs) Do not let me follow my flaws, but deliver me and all I am and all I do into your kingdom. Father, my Father, this is, you know, I want to honor your name. James says, James 1.17, every good. So whenever we're into this relationship, then we got to understand that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, you know, and I, you know, all that, we read that and it's like, okay, what's that mean? It means the creator and sustainer of the heavens. God who is the creator and sustainer of the heavens, of the lights, in whom there is no variance, there's no rising or setting like the sun. <laughs> or there's no shadow cast by his turning. <laughs> the moon and the eclipses and things like that. For he is perfect and he never changes. So here I am in this Father, my Father, this place of communion with God, this place of oneness with God where he never changes. And he's, his desire towards me is always the same. And no matter what I see or what I say, no matter what I've done, his attitude towards me never changes. See, get over the fact that we are flawed. Get over the fact that, you know, Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do all the time. So we, you know, it isn't an excuse, it's just life. And so then we're not going to be perfect. No one is going to be perfect. So we're looking to God to help us. Father, my Father, I want to honor your name. There is this situation in Mark. I thought it was interesting. You know, whenever Jesus is traveling with his disciples in Mark 11, I didn't, I didn't give this to you, Terry, so it's, I'm going to look over a group of scriptures here. But it says in Mark 11, beginning at verse 13, Jesus was, verse 12, Jesus was hungry. And so he's walking with his disciples and he sees this fig tree over there. It's full of leaves. Now, the, the understanding is a fig tree that is full of leaves is full of fruit. Because the fruit comes when the leaves come. If there's no leaves, there's no fruit. But if there's leaves, there's fruit. So Jesus goes to the tree to get some fruit because he's hungry, and what happens? There's nothing there. 
There's no fruit there. And Jesus said to the tree, (laughs) imagine this, God talking to trees. May no one ever eat from fruit from you again. Oh. So they walk off and they go to the um, temple, and Jesus is upset with the Pharisee, the, the, the temple and uh, priests and everything that's going on in the temple. And the next day, they came back, and the, the disciples look at the tree and say, Jesus, it's dead. He says, it withered from the roots. Now, the challenge is the tree represents, in some ways, it represents the temple in which people went to the temple to find the fruit of God and there was nothing there. And so, in, in essence, he's saying that the temple's going to be destroyed and, you know, there, there's, no fruit, there's no food there for my people. But, but, you know, I am the bread of life. And that's all in in things to come. But the challenge is that when he tells them about this and Peter says, it's withered from the fruit, from the roots. Jesus says, have faith in God. I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes, they will see it happen. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received, and it will be yours. Father, my Father, honor your name. I don't want anyone to eat of the fruit of bitterness in my life. See, I don't want anyone to eat of the fruit, you know, whenever we're praying for people, the fruit of that sickness. I don't want anyone, I don't want that sickness to be part of their life, so I pray that 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 root of bitterness, the root of sickness, the root of discouragement, the root of depression, the root of whatever it is, that it will dry up and be no longer part of their life. So you see, if we have enough faith to ask and don't doubt, you see, our question, our problem mostly is how. How's it going to happen? We don't have to, ha- we don't have to know how it's going to happen. We don't have to know when it's going to happen. But we have to have enough faith whenever we are in this place of Father, my Father, bring honor to your name. I pray for, (laughs) I pray for this person who is ill, that their illness would dry up from the root. You know, whenever, a a few weeks ago, one of Rhonda's friends, she's not a friend of mine, that's one of Rhonda's friends. (laughs) No, she is, her and her family. But, you know, their, their uh, grandson, granddaughter was having surgery and they had a tumor on its spine. It's very serious su- surgery. And, and I remember they're standing there, standing at the window, talking, imagine that. Uh, <laughs> going on about many things, but that's all right. And th- that they're both very verbal, so I can sit for a while and, <laughs> and listen. 
But what happens is, you know, she's talking about her child, the, her granddaughter, and, and I said, you know what, we'll pray that when the surgeon goes in and when the surgery is done, that that tumor will release from the spine and just kind of let everything come apart from it. And that was the description the surgeon gave to the mother who gave to the Rhonda's friend of what happened in that surgery. And that's what made me think of this, it made me think of this illustration, this, this story with the tree. When Jesus says, let no man eat of that tree, he is saying that there's no fruit in this tree and this fruit is not going to have, this tree is not going to have fruit, so therefore let it dry up and, because it has no value. So in illness and in sickness and in depression and in whatever the problem may be, there is no fruit in that. So God let it dry up from the root. When people are away from God, let that, let that fear of God, let that anger at God, let that misunderstanding of God, let it dry up from the root. And may their faith flourish. And that which is robbing strength from their soul, may it dry up. Matthew 18. Take, the, take this most seriously. A yes on earth is yes in heaven. A no on earth is no in heaven. Whatever you say to one another is eternal. I never noticed that either. Whatever you say to one another is eternal. And I mean this. When two of you get together on anything all, at all on earth and make a prayer of it. So you see, whenever we pray and whenever we ask for prayers and we ask people to pray for a person, for an illness, for this, we are agreeing together about a certain person and about a certain illness, and our prayer is basically that that illness and the roots of that illness will dry up. <laughs> so we not to worry about how it's going to dry up. We just need to understand who we are, where we are, and that we are in God's presence. Now, one of my favorite stories, David and Goliath. You know, the, the scripture says about going into that secret place. And why do you think it's a secret place? For me, it was always like, okay, that's someplace nobody knows of. Okay, you know, where, well, where's that? Going to be alone. But you know what? I think the secret place is something like we, we find here with David. When Goliath is challenging the, the, the nation of Israel and um, his father sends David to take food to his brothers. And this, this guy, Goliath, has been challenging Israel for 40 days and no one will fight Goliath. And when David gets there, he runs into his brother Eliab. Now, if, to clarify and make sure we understand, David is not a special child. When Samuel came to anoint the king, next king of Israel from the sons of, of um, Jesse, David's not even asked to be there. He's out in the field. And when the prophet says, do you have another boy? Well, yeah, there's this ruddy kid out there who throws rocks at birds. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, he's watching the sheep. 
So he was forgotten by his father. So anyhow, he's anointed king. Well, you know, he's just a kid. Well, he comes to fight to this battle, and there is Eliab. Eliab is the oldest brother, and Eliab says to David, when he's burning with anger, this is, he's burning in anger with him and asks him, why have you come here? <laughs> and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? You've, you are a worthless kid doing a worthless job that nobody else wants. And I know you are conceited and how wicked your heart is. And you came down only to watch the battle. <sighs> Iliad has a problem. <laughs> now, our secret place is a place where we do not allow other people's opinions to influence our prayers. Because we can go to those places, and Eliab represents people in our life, maybe family, close friends, or whatever, that hold this emotional energy over us that would cause us to doubt who we are as a person. So the secret place would be a place where that person's opinion cannot enter. The second person that we look at is is um, King Saul. Word gets to Saul that David wants to fight Goliath. Well, David, maybe he's 14, 16, somewhere in there. He's going to take on Goliath. He's maybe nine feet tall. He's huge. He's a man of war. He wears a big helmet. <laughs> he has somebody carry a shield. He, carries a, he, throw, he has a beam that weighs maybe 20 pounds, you know, and so it's, it's huge. He's a big man. And so he's going to take on Goliath. So what is Saul? He, and so Saul is like, yeah, I've got to do something. It's been 40 days. No one in this whole, this whole country is going to take him on. You take him on, David. Yes, go get him. And let's, dry, let's dress you in my armor. When we go into the secret place, we go in as ourselves, Not as somebody else thinks we are. Not as somebody else wants to dress us up. See, you don't go in as a pastor. You don't go in as whoever we are, mother, father, kid, brother, you know, whatever. We don't go in as those, into that secret place, being like someone else. See, this is the person who is over us in authority. The person who is an authority over you does not determine what you wear into battle. And of course, the third person is Goliath. <laughs> Whenever you do battle with the enemy, the enemy is going to make fun of you. And you know what? Goliath was better than David. I mean, he's a man of war. And there's no way that David can compete with Goliath. Here, give me a sword, and I'll go take him on. No. So we can't go into, when we go into this secret place to do battle, yes, the enemy is bigger than us. When we do battle with Satan, we do battle with the enemy of our soul, the prince and palaces of the air, they're bigger than us. But you know what? That means nothing to Jesus, the breath of God. The word of God silences them. So here we are in this secret place. 
And this is where we have this place of prayer. This is where we have this place of communion with God. And so our Father, my Father, my Father, honor your name. Here I am in your presence. I let go of all those things that tell me I'm no good. My people, friends, and family who think this of me, I keep that out of this secret place. Those who are over me and want to tell me what I'm supposed to be, God, I don't let those in my place. And in the secret place, I don't let the enemy come in and talk to me. Because the enemy, he can defeat me on my own, but I am not here. I am here representing Jesus Christ and the power of the Most High God. And he who has defeated death, hell, and the grave is the one who is with me. So this is my secret place where nothing, you see, we keep out all those things and just be ourselves. Father, my Father, honor your name. And here I am in prayer, praying for, name them, and praying that whatever is wrong, sickness, illness, whatever, uh, opening, a door opening, that from the root it will dry up. And there will be no fruit from that tree. There will be no fruit of bitterness. There will be no fruit of frustration. There will be no fruit of anger and, and resentment. There will be no, it will dry up. And the love of God will grow in their lives. For that is what God wants to grow by his spirit inside of us. So you see, Matthew 16, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you see what place of power we occupy? Who am I? Well, I am God's child. I am in this place, in this position of divine influence into the world around me. Because I have been placed here by God for a specific purpose. And that specific purpose is not to hear the voice of those who think they are over me emotionally, not to hear the voice of those who think they are over me positionally, trying to make me something that I'm not. I'm not, I'm not here to hear the voice of my enemy. I am here to hear the voice of God that says, I can do all things through Christ. If I believe, I can say to this mountain, be moved. And so in this place of security, in this secret place, I am safe with God. Shall we stand? I wrote this. This is my little prayer. And I am not advocating it to be replaced, the Lord's Prayer. Just, just a, a, a thought as, we, as I put this, to, this message to a conclusion. Well, as I, put, as I leave this message to an extension uh, from here to the next to the next. Father, my Father, honor your name. And then I have this little thing. This is David. <laughs> you know, 
My brother Jesus, I was adopted by you through him. I was to remind me of that, not to remind God. Father, my father, honor your name. I come as an empty vessel anointed only by you. I came to our secret place to pour out the critics, the Eliabs. I refused to be something that I am not, the Sauls that would make me something. I come against all that is against you, the Goliaths. I bind the root of addiction, the root of bitterness, of confusion and hatred and sickness and depression. I come against those things that would speak harm and hurt to the people I love. These trees will die in the lives of those I pray for. They will dry up from the root. No more will they rob life of its purpose. I loose all that is good, all that comes from you, Father. I loose it into their lives, into our lives, into my life. I loose your spirit, your gifts, your fruits. Father, my Father, honor your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in me and in the world around me. Give me this day your daily harvest. Forgive me and let me not hold hurt in my heart. Bind the evil one. Bind his influences in my life and in the lives of those for whom I pray. Father, my Father, this is your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life and those for whom I pray. God, I thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you, O oh God, for that secret place where we are alone with you and the influencers we do not let in. We just are there with you, communing as friend with friend. We thank you for this word. I pray, God, that it find its place in our hearts and minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.